This episode is brought to you by Star Lion Thieves of the Red Knight, an indie book by a black author named Leon Lankford. Star Lion is about a gravity-manipulating teen, Jordan Harris, who is arrested for vigilante activity, who is then forced to choose between jail and joining a superhero training academy. This book can be found on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, and even an ebook audiobook combo on Blurred.com. Welcome to a very special episode of Blurred Up, our first live broadcast. I am your host, Brendan, and I'm joined by Ali Soko. How you doing? What's up? What's up? Thank you for having me. I've wanted to do a live show, uh, start doing live shows this year more consistently, but she reached out. She already has the infrastructure, the ability to do it. So we're going to do a live show for Twitch on her channel, and then I'm going to edit down my part of it for the podcast streaming platform so do you want to say something you were you were laughing there i was laughing because i was like yeah for sure that's we want to do it but it was completely my fault y'all i definitely was like brendan you know i was gonna stream after the podcast you know we could kill two birds with one stone but this was like 15 minutes before the podcast he was like my hair you know what i'm saying there's just so much to do man really (laughs) it's all good it's all good it is all good so we've been gone for Two months and a half. It's been almost three months. I'm sure folks are curious where the hell we've been. So I'll start with me. During the fall, I was studying for a Japanese test. I was preparing and interviewing for new jobs while working full time and doing this show. So I just needed a big break. And in this industry, generally the January, February time is the dead time for us. So I chose that time for myself. I cut my use of social media pretty substantially, especially after watching uh, Don't Look Up. I was shook. I deactivated Facebook. So for those who get our updates from there, I'm sorry that door is closed. But some good news. A, I have a renewed license to weeb. I passed my Japanese test. (laughs) Nice. I I did get a new job. I now work at an elementary school and that's been challenging, but I'm excited to, to grow there as a teacher. And I upgraded to a better apartment. So this is the first show to be recorded there. So hopefully it doesn't sound too echoey or or bad and you moved right i did i moved to busan we moved to a a duplex yeah i think yeah, that's yeah. what jutek would mean like so we have a puppy now she's too she's sleeping thankfully because she got her shots today adorably energetic that smile says it all adorably energetic you know she's our lovely child <laughs> It's like whenever a family like has a, a child or a puppy or something, they're so excited for it. And then like it's almost like they kind of smile through their teeth like, oh, this is so fun. Oh, I love it. And <laughs> it just scares me every time. My favorite time, she's the most cute and adorable when she's sleeping. You can take the Instagram pictures at that point. <laughs> I feel that. Uh, you said it's a Jindo dog, right? Yeah, Jindo Oh, yeah, we've really seen those Jindo qualities come out of her, too, because Jindos are very loyal. Um, they only respect one owner. Fortunately for me, I'm the one owner, and my husband is someone else, apparently, to her. <laughs> they fight all day. She will nip at him, bark at him, whine at him, all of that stuff. And then when it's me, she's calm. She doesn't bite me. She does what I say. I say sit. She sits. And he's like, why won't she do that for me? I was like, look, I got here first. (laughs) I was the first to one. I got dibs. So that's been really funny. Um, And even with other people, she just Mm -hmm. is. We've been socializing her. But even with other people, she's just like, "Mm, no, no, this, this is my person here. Y'all are fine. But this is my person. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's why they they tried to put them in the Korean military, but they were struggling so hard because they're so loyal that they couldn't have them with multiple handlers. They're genetically kind of hardwired for that. Well, speaking of hardwired, this is a bad segue. Uh, I created a, uh, a Discord server uh, this past weekend for the show. So if you are interested in directly chatting and sharing with me and other listeners around the world, please join us there. It's quite small, but I hope that we can help cultivate a space of uh, inclusion and nonviolent communication as we nerd out, especially considering that I want to limit how long our shows are. 
I'll be discussing things that I didn't or don't make time for on the show. And of course, Allie has her own Discord as well. Can you share your details on that? Yeah, I have a Discord. You can find my Discord. Oh, well, you can find the link on my Instagram or Facebook or Twitch. It's linked everywhere. Um, I have a link tree. So if you are interested in joining the Discord, we play games, we chat, we chill, we talk about the stream after the stream, or sometimes we just sit in there, chill, and work together, just vibe together. Just have a cute little community, you know. Let's move on to the Batman. Longtime listeners know my thoughts on that first 2020 teaser during the volatile political quagmire at home regarding police brutality and both major presidential candidates advocating for increasing funding. And I hope you can understand that a rich white man brutalizing the poor wasn't what I was excited to see at the time. I've told you this before, but I am just tired of Batman movies in general. DC has a huge, huge, huge collection of multi-ethnic and diverse characters from all around the diaspora, and we keep getting Batman and Superman, and I'm just, yeah, I'm tired. Like, what else can you do? And we just had that Mm -hmm. Justice League movie, like, three years before that teaser, Mm -hmm. and Batfleck didn't even get his own solo film. (laughs) And then they, right after they released the movie... The Flash, was it Flash and the Aquaman got delayed, even though this movie, they were working on this movie after they were working on The Flash and Aquaman. Yeah, I was just, just like, These, what, what y'all got going on? Two years later, I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. I think this movie is the closest we've ever gotten to the live action or a live action Batman animated series. And I think it really delivered for the most part. <laughs> But first, let's go through the elements that I think freshen this Batman up. From the first scene, fear has been reinstated as a central theme. We witnessed a high-profile murder, and the way that it slowly unfolded kept me on the edge of my seat, and it made one of my friends I went with jump. And this movie has noir influences with Batman bookending the movie with narration. Like, if the words were written, they could easily fit on a comic book page. At the beginning, he talks about how he uses fear as a tool, And he's not joking. Like, he's got criminals so shook, they're afraid to enter shadowy places in the city. And the way the scenes were stitched together, like, the audience also didn't know where he was. One man kind of accidentally hurt himself Mm -hmm. because he was afraid Batman was going to be there. And your boy was on the other side of the city. What people fear and Batman's opinions about fear are always front and center, but it never got stale to me. I agree. It was was a very... The opening... Just the shooting of the movie in general was very well done, in my opinion. I'm uh, jumping ahead here, but the guy who did it, Greg Frazier, he most recently did Dune, and he did some Mandalorian episodes. But I think, as you said, the cinematography and the storyboarding are, to me, some of the best of any live-action Batman film. That was my first comment after I saw the complete movie, was that whoever filmed this, they did an amazing job. There were some really nice like picture worthy mm-hmm. capture i could see this on a comic book worthy scenes in there and it was so clean and crisp and i think i told you this before that the reason that i didn't really care for a lot of the dc movies is because i'm blind and you can make something dark without making it dark so i can't see but well, i could see this one and i was very happy about that i was like oh yeah it's interesting you say that because so many people are talking about this is the darkest one yet actually visually and thematically And it was really dark, but as you said, you could see things. Even there's a scene that's in the trailer where Batman is being shot by multiple gangsters. And you can't quite see the exact moves, but the cinematography of how that was shot was still really fun to look at. I also appreciate that they didn't recycle some tired Batman tropes, like the death of Bruce Wayne's parents and the pearls falling to the ground. There was one particular scene where... Matt Reeves, the director, could have easily inserted that without any complaint, but he didn't. And it made that scene more impactful because of it. Like, the movie and director trust the audience to not only already have general Batman knowledge, instead of getting too deep into the wordy exposition or a literal reenactment, he encourages the actors to express their thoughts and emotions with their face 
And I thought that was really effective. When Batman was trying to be intimidating or he was sad, you felt it, I think, every time. For those who don't know, Matt Reeves, he made the two Apes sequels. So those are films that really deal with motion capture and emoting from the face. So it's kind of really a perfect, you don't really think about it, but now that I've seen it, it's a perfect fit for him to make this work. Let's move on to the other characters and performances. We have an all-star cast here, led by, of course, Robert Pattenbat as the titular hero. And while there was like a little backlash, like a number of bad casting, I thought he was pretty great. You know what? I don't. Tell me. This is not hate on Robert Pattinson. I actually think he's a good actor. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, of course, I'm a Harry Potter fan, so I knew that he had acted before Twilight. But you know what's actually funny to me is that everyone kind of hated him because they were like, Twilight, but it was the most ironic thing about this whole thing is he basically did the same thing he did with Twilight, but it actually worked this time. I mean, it was that same kind of stoic, emo, angry, angsty, emo, but like, it worked. Well, he's punching folks in the face now, you know, and he has, you know, that's that's important. That's important detail. (laughs) This is a year two Batman, angsty Batman. He's kind of seasoned with petty and armed criminals, but he still makes these mistakes and he's still kind of raw. One of those mistakes really caught me off guard. But uh, it's interesting that he really hasn't attempted to split his Bruce Wayne and Batman persona. He's just Batman all the time, even outside the costume. He's even a bit awkward. Like, every pre-Nolan Batman was pretty good from the jump. Like, Batman Begins was the Mm -hmm. first we saw the character attempt to be Bruce Wayne with the -the over-the-top models and being a playboy. But the Pattinson, Pattinson, what's his name? Pattinbat version. (laughs) Pattinson. I'm calling him Pattinbat for the whole thing. I'm sorry. Pattinbat's version... (laughs) He sometimes feels like an emo Zuckerberg, like attempting to appear human in public. <laughs> he's just he's just not in his element at all. Yeah, and it makes sense because of how old he is. And again, you said this is year two, but, you know, he's like, all he has is Alfred. It makes complete sense. Like I said, it works. Yeah. The angsty emo kind of young adult thing, it works here. It worked well. How did you feel about Alfred? Let's go into him. Because it's played by Caesar himself, Andy Serkis. I didn't mind it. It was more subtle than I expected. Like, he wasn't my favorite for sure. No, I'm just going to say he wasn't my favorite. But, like, he wasn't a bad one. Like, I I enjoyed seeing him be him. Just wasn't what I expected. I'm so used to all the bald, tall, skinny Alfreds. Was not expecting suave, kind of silver fox. Silver fox, uh, Alfred. (laughs) Basically. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely, I think, the youngest to date on screen. And I like that he really helped Bruce solve these mysteries together. Mm-hmm. And they had some good scenes. I really wish they had more. Like there was one scene in particular, I think you know what I'm talking about, that really yeah. put some humanity into this film. Yeah, I was trying to like say that without Talk saying it, it, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think overall, Christian Bale and Michael Caine's chemistry is still the best, I think, of, of all the live action. What have I done, Alfred? Everything my family, my father built My legacy is more than bricks and mortars. I wanted to save Gotham. I failed. Why do we fall, sir? So that we can learn to pick ourselves up. You still haven't given up on me. Never. Speaking of best, the suit. I think that suit is the best. Of all of that's the best. Oh, suit. it's oh, no, so that good. That's top tier. That was an actual Batman suit. I was like, I kind of wanted that suit. Mm. I wanted that Batman. And it was so, it was so Batman. It was cool. It was sleek. It was practical. And he was just adding yes. stuff to it along along the way if he needed it. I was like, this is an actual bat. This is what Batman suit would actually be. Yeah, yes. it, it felt like the Arkham games. I think Nolan went out of his way to kind of ground the suit and gadgets in reality. But this movie stretched out a bit. I mean, his suit is totally bulletproof, but he can still move around just fine. And there's no explanation about, oh, this is an, uh, a repurposed military suit. For, no, it's, it's just he made it. Deal with it. I'm Batman. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I mean, that's most of that's co- That's comic book logic at this point, especially in nerd communities. Can Batman beat Superman? Yes, with prep time. He's Batman. Yeah, he just makes a thing. Realistically, yeah. really, with Superman's powers, can Superman really, really build a suit to beat him? Really, no. But, you know, he's Batman, so just, just deal with it. And that's how this movie is. He has all these gadgets. How? I'm Batman. <laughs> 
He's a billionaire, a millionaire, billionaire, like, yeah. Zoe Kravitz, though. Uh, let me, I, I, need, I need a moment. Oh my God. She was killing it, bro. She got that walk down pack. I was watching that thing switch side to side. I was like, she practiced that walk in the mirror. Even Batman was shook when he first saw her. He's like, I'm Batman, <laughs> but I'm still a man. That boy was shook. She had those mannerisms down pat. She was definitely, I got full on Selena Kyle. And I appreciated getting Selena Kyle. I think a lot of times we get a lot of Catwoman mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of Selena Kyle. I'm on that walk. She practiced that. That walk was, mm. she, every time she walked away, I was like watching her. Forget whatever Robert Pattinson was doing. I was watching her walk away. I think, <laughs> I think nothing really beats the iconography of Michelle Pfeiffer's iteration. Meow. But I definitely agree with you. And I think she was an, uh, a great foil to Bruce Wayne's privileged view of the world without spoiling anything. And I thought that their chemistry was fine. But I think romantically, I think Keaton and Michelle Pfeiffer's were probably better. You can't know to a girl like me. Handsome, dazed, and to die for. Mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. Mm, but a kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it. Yeah, I feel like some parts of their chemistry just felt, like story-wise, just felt a bit rushed. Mm. And that's probably why we felt like they didn't have chemistry. But I feel like the moments that there were chemistry, they had it. Sure. They would just, they just have to, like, flesh it out. Yeah. And I feel weird because it feels like I'm asking for another Batman movie because I am kind of curious. <laughs> like, I'm kind of curious where this story is going to go. But at the same time, I'm just like, I just said don't give me another Batman movie, but I'm kind of curious about another Batman movie. Matt Reeves, he actually tested a four-hour cut, which I'm sure may go to streaming next year as an incentive for HBO Max. So maybe they have more scenes that kind of flesh out that romance. But okay, my first pick, my first nitpick of this movie are her nails. I have zero knowledge of nail culture, but as a look, I wasn't feeling them. Like she even had the nails on when she was, when she wasn't in costume. Like every time they came on screen, particularly during the romantic scene, like they were talking sweet and soft and slow. And then she would just pull these long nails out on his face and they looked so plastic and fake i just giggled it took me out the movie every time okay but have you like okay have you yeah you're not in nail culture because i wasn't there i didn't even bother i just assumed they were acrylics made like claws because that's the style actually today like really blinged out they were the least surprising thing to me her claws like, it didn't surprise me that no one looked twice at the fact that this woman walks around with claws because that's literally a style. Actual claws. Acrylic claws. Bejeweled claws. Trivia, these are her nails. She actually grew them out for this movie. Jeez. No, she had to have some... She had to have some strengthener on her nails for some of those things she did because she would have broke them. I agree. Yeah, yeah. So, ladies, if you're planning to be her for Halloween, start growing them. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It took me out the movie. It, it was like, if she was in... Co- I go back to Michelle Pfeiffer, how she, you know, she was poor too. And she used all these sewing machine materials to kind of make her nails. Um, mm-hmm. And they were, she could bring them out. She could like, leave them inside of people. These nails just, it just felt very plastic to me. Okay, but here's the thing. Tell me the thing. She's poor. <laughs> I mean, like, that. Th- you remember, you just said earlier there, they, they do a lot of trying to ground it in reality. Mm-hmm. And, and this one, again, they focus on Selena Kyle. And not Selena Kyle, who's now the, like, famous cat burglar Selena Kyle. This is Selena Kyle at her origin, like, kind of, like, closer to her origins. She lives in a poor, run-down apartment kind of deal, like... She ain't got the money to be making gadgets like Batman. We can't just say she got it and you be like, how? Because she ain't Batman. She If she gonna get something, she gotta steal it first. I agree with you. My point is, Michelle Pfeiffer was also poor. I mean, she literally stitched that leather stuff together to make that stitched up Catwoman suit. And, See, and But the- who can afford leather? See, that's the already wild. She's just out here affording leather. I mean, she was yelling on, on those leather, <laughs> those hot-ass leather pants at the club. Anyway, let's move on. We can agree, disagree. Um, Jeffrey Wright. I was surprised by how much of a relationship and screen time he and Batman had together. Like, again, we talk about how this is closest to the Batman uh, animated series. I'm specifically referencing this and that Batman is really being a detective solving mysteries right alongside Gordon as a real partner. He's not just taking the information he needs and then vanishing like an asshole in the cartoon. 
Like, remember when Batman would just routinely surprise Gordon out the shadows, like terrorizing this old man? (laughs) Like, go ahead. It seems like they had a bit of that before. And again, this is where the movie lets you, yeah, the movie lets you assume that. Like, the movie just assumes you've been watching Batman the Animated Series. You know about Batman and Gordon's relationship, and you just know. He already used to it. Look, we're at a time where they have the bat signal. So, look, Maz is used to it. Yeah. And uh, as you saw in the trailer, Batman is also just at crime scenes with the police, like in the animated series. And you see how there are some on the force who aren't happy about that. Um, there's, there's real tension there that, that escalates uh, during the film. Uh, speaking of the crime scenes, the riddles. I don't, I don't know how it was for you, but the, the riddles, they ran the spectrum of serious to campy. And I had fun trying to solve them uh, before Batman and Gordon. I, and I did for a few of them. It's like they gave you a little time to solve it before Batman and Gordon did. It was almost like a dark and violent blues clues. And I'm like, hey, 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 over there, over there, over there. And then Batman's like, it's over there. <laughs> like, like Dora without the repeating. Yeah. Where's the murder weapon? Oh, it's over there. <laughs> No, I definitely enjoyed the riddles. It was definitely something needed, I will say. The riddles were a good addition because this movie was so dang long. Mm-hmm. Three hours. Three hours almost exactly. The movie was so long. Those riddles are were a great way to like kind of snap the audience back. Like, yeah, this it's a very, it's a teacher method, you know? When your class is kind of dozing off, you just ask them a random question like, huh, what, who? It's almost like a <laughs> like a like a chapter starter. Like this is the next chapter mm-hmm. in this story with this next murder and riddle. Mm-hmm. And they came frequently enough, but not enough, not too much to where it was annoying. All right, I agree. So let's get on to the Riddler. <laughs> Nearly every iteration of this character has been goofy. Oh, I've waited for this. It makes my whole life worthwhile <laughs> was that over the top i can never tell <laughs> uh, goofy pushover <laughs> with the ridiculous costume without spoiling anything it's still a ridiculous costume and it's new one yeah. Yes. yeah i mean yeah it's not subtle <laughs> um <laughs> but paul dano man i I don't really know much about this guy. I mean, I've seen him in some like comedies and stuff, but man, he is—he was calculating and precise, but unhinged, violent, and terrifying. But he was really just just a schlubby dude. I have never yeah. seen this character portrayed this way, and like I loved nearly every moment with him. I really enjoyed it because I feel like the Riddler is one of the lesser, like, pushed Batman villains. And I enjoyed this iteration where he was, like, a little bit out of his mind. But the whole time, you're kind of wondering, like, without spoiling anything, like, but am I against him, though? I cheered for him more than any other character in this movie. I was, yeah, I was like, but do I disagree, though? And the whole time I was wondering, does Batman disagree, though? <laughs> like, no, he he does. We'll get to that a little bit, a little yeah. bit later. Um, for the sake of time, I'm going to pass over the other supporting characters just really quick. Colin Farrell was great as Penguin. I mean, that's why I've been talked to death about how he just yeah. disappeared into this role. I still have to kind of do a double take and like, that's Colin Farrell. The setting of Gotham. Uh, this once again filmed in Chicago, just like the Nolan films. But I feel like there was an extra layer of identity that was different from the Nolan films. Nolan films just kind of felt like this is just a big city, whereas this felt a little more like Gotham. It wasn't like Tim Burton's Gotham because that was definitely its own place. But I thought this little mm-hmm. this had a little more identity. And I think as you talked about with the cinematography, I think that adds to that identity. Can we talk about the music? Absolutely. I thought the music was my the music was actually my favorite part of the movie. Kind of a classic comic book musical thing. And it was I was just it's so clear with the cinematography. Mm-hmm. It just Made for a really good viewing experience. Of all the Batman films that we've had, we've had so many. The fact that they've achieved that is remarkable. Um, the The composer is Michael Giacchino. He actually worked with Reeves on the Ape sequels, but he's also done a number of blockbusters like uh, Jurassic World, Rogue One, 
a number of Pixar movies like The Incredibles and Coco, and he did the latest Spider-Man trilogy. I don't usually comment on music that hard either because I was just like, but I went in, I was I was not expecting that actually. I was just like, I, I went in with no expectations, but definitely wasn't one of my expectations. I didn't go into a Batman movie expecting to like a soundtrack. Right. Who goes in a Batman movie for a soundtrack? That's about to be me now because that was a really good one. Um, <laughs> speaking of songs, Nirvana, that Something in the Way, that song is going to get bumped by so many people, particularly young men. There's that, that cover from Black Widow of Smells Like Teen Spirit, but I'm glad that this movie explored a lesser played for Nirvana hit. And I've been playing that song ever since I watched the movie. Folks know I have a big soft spot for grunge, and this movie brought back a lot of those memories. So that was really special to me, too. I enjoyed But you talked about Smells Like Teen Spirit, but I enjoyed that, too. I was like, there was a lot. There was a lot that kept you engaged, okay? Like, if you're going to go, if you're going to shoot for a three-hour movie... You have to know that you did something enough to keep somebody engaged for three hours. Unless you're Jack Snyder. Because there's not many that can do that. <laughs> okay. Do you have any uh, any last uh, words before this goes another way? <laughs> no, Zoe. If you, if you listen to this, you bet. Come hit me up. <laughs> I have comments too, but you know what? I'm just going to save them for later. Uh, well, in my, in my own head. <laughs> <laughs> They are not safe for work. All right, so uh, <laughs> y'all are hearing us praise this movie, and uh, long-time listeners are probably waiting for the other shoe to drop. So the, 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 They're waiting for our rankings. They're waiting for the score. You go first this time. Okay, I just saw, I just saw. Uh, after that bait and switch with Spider-Man, I'm sure folks were like, okay, where's he going to pull it out? Okay, um, this movie gets a three out of five batterings from me. Um, so I'm going to go down the, go down the list here. So we are talking about how long this movie is. It's longer than the dark Knight, which I thought was long at the time. And I'm kind of curious to see that for our cut, because there were a couple of scenes in here that were strangely edited. So for example, there was a scene where Batman was knocked out on the ground and then almost as if he teleported behind the shooters, he went somewhere else and you'll know it when you see it. And there was another scene at the very end where Batman pulls out a certain tool to help him that felt completely divorced from the rest of his utility belt. And I'm wondering if there was a scene that got cut that kind of explained why that was there. But it potentially set up a future villain. But again, that I think we can say that for spoilers. And this kind of goes into my, my bigger issue now, is that this movie kind of has a fourth act, like The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight deals with Batman going against Two-Face after the Joker's capture. And I won't spoil what happens in this new movie, but the difference between this is that while Harvey's descent into madness was foreshadowed from the very beginning, you know, you either die the hero, whatever, what happened in the Batman felt so tacked on, seemingly at the demand of executives who wanted more spectacle to compete with other superhero blockbusters. I think Shang-Chi had that problem. But like The Dark Knight, albeit to a lesser extent, I think Shang-Chi's had it set up a little bit more from the beginning. With Batman... I was like Deborah Cox. How did you get here? Nobody's supposed to. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. For the international audience, if you don't get that joke, um, not every joke is going to be for y'all. I'm sorry. I got to speak to my base sometimes. It is called Blurred Up for a reason. There are a lot of Batman reviews, but I will bet Bruce Wayne's whole fortune that we're the only ones who have Deborah Cox in it. <laughs> uh, okay. To be fair, to be fair, I gave the movie a 7 out of 10, and I don't... It's probably kind of around the same... Like, I, if, if I had said my... It was 7 out of 10. Um, my husband thought I was crazy. He was like, what? 7 out of 10? Blah, blah. I was like, look, I'll explain it to you later, but yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, it was, it, like I said, it has some really great cinematic moments. Some really great cinematic moments. But there were some story elements that left me with more questions that really went against the character of Batman. And even at this stage, that made me be like, hmm? So, like, well shot, beautifully done. Story was a little is where I, the problems and such start to come in. And continuity-wise, there were a few issues that I saw. But I don't want to... I'll get into those... Later. As we talk about the spoilers. Yeah. Yet. 
I agree. I think in relation to the the fourth act, I think my last big issue is that over time, I think what you're alluding to, the motivations, the moral codes, arcs for Batman, Gordon, the Riddler became so muddled and hypocritical that by the end of the movie, I just felt empty. One issue Mm -hmm. in particular is Batman's no killing rule. It became really annoying to me after a while. Like some people really do need to die. And for someone who literally introduces himself as vengeance to unintentional comedic effect, uh, I might add, he used to kind of fuck off out of people's uh, ways of getting theirs. He became a real Mm -hmm. condescending asshole over time. Something in the way. Yeah, you, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Ironically, I think that's supposed to be the point. Um, well, I think on the surface, people will say, oh, man, he really had this arc. But I don't really see it that way. I don't think we will see it until that inevitable next movie that you know is coming. Maybe. Maybe. No, not just like there was no real growth that we saw on screen from Batman. Yeah. We saw the potential, but we didn't actually see the growth. Mm. It's like someone saying, I'll do better. But then you don't see that they do better. Like every celebrity ever. <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. Um, let's see. I'll do a two, two more general points, and then we'll go to the, the, the spoiler. I think um, the action, we talked about the action that we could see it, but it wasn't really like something I would go back in YouTube. Like It was serviceable. And I think that has been a weakness for most Batman films. Like there's outside of Batman or Batfleck saving Martha, I, I'll, I will never YouTube any Batman scene. That's live action. Um, it never waded into bad, but again, it's never wowed me. And number five, I don't know how you felt about this. The class and especially identity politics with race and gender were flirted with here, but were never really fleshed out. There were some observations about Bruce and Batman from Catwoman and the black woman who was running for mayor. And that was great. Uh, Catwoman understandably got more screen time to flesh herself out. But the mayor was just, to me, kind of platitude city. And hopefully we'll see more of her in the next movie. Or maybe the inevitable four-hour cut maybe features her more. But yeah, there's something else I want to talk about, but I think that's spoilery as well. Let's get to the spoilers. I feel like I don't have anything really good spoilery to say. Maybe if you have something to talk about first, we can, we can do the good stuff first and then the bad, because the, the bad is where most of my, my notes are. Because it's the storyline that's uh, kind of the issue, because mm-hmm. um, we've talked about all the really good points mm-hmm. of it. Um, so... I mean, I guess we could, you know, we could just say we've done the good, now it's time to get yeah. into the bad. Let's talk about how they killmongered the Riddler. He had yeah. such admirable goals, exposing the corruption of Gotham, and his only mistake was not quite accurately exposing billionaire Thomas Wayne. He was focused in his violence, but at one point, just like with Killmonger and Carly in the Captain America show, the writers decide... We need them to do something over the top to justify the protagonist's existence and why the antagonist's revolution needs to be completely squashed. It's a trope that needs to go, like the third act beams in the sky. Like having an other side of the coin villain is great, but write it so that the journey to darkness as well as why the hero needs to stop them is understandable. Like I really like the Riddler a lot. He was journaling just like Batman. He was inspired by Batman's brutality and he was almost surgical with his violence he said it with a little fear and focused violence you can do a lot he did more than batman gordon and the police did of exposing corruption and then they just say you know what it's time for you to flood the city i was very upset about that yeah i'm i was i was thinking of a person like because there's a lot of characters like this and but they do it well where it Mm -hmm. just starts off with good intentions, and then slowly it gets more extreme, and the extreme part is where it's bad. But when they just do this kind of, I felt like it was just like, they just were like, yeah, we just gotta do something. We gotta make somebody the bad guy. That is really the problem, where it's not like, because there was no reason. They didn't, it didn't match his MO at all. Like, what, what he said he was doing versus what he did at the end weren't matching. They could have literally just slowly built it up to where it was too extreme where you're like okay i get your point but this is taking it too far i mean killing people i guess the killing people was the too far part but like that's fine for me fuck them <laughs> here's the thing if you're a poor dude you've been living in the slums 
and you are exposing corruption because of how it has affected other poor people, why would your first bomb be right by your hood, like flooding your own slums? If you're fighting for the poor, why would you do something? These kind of natural disasters, historically, disproportionately, hurt the, the Yes, first. exactly. The poor and minorities. So why would you, it, it just, it felt so out of character that, you know, maybe the four-hour cut will let us, you know, get some better insight into why he went there. But I'll give you some two scenarios where I think this flood scene should have happened, if at all. Batman meets the Riddler before he's caught, and he deeply insults him. And the Riddler is distraught, and he loses hope because he was hurt by the person who inspired him and thinks all hope is lost in the city. He plants the bombs, and then he gets caught, and they go off. Scenario two, after the Riddler is caught, his followers decide that hope is lost, and they do it. So we have seen followers of other figures or causes do things in their name when that wasn't their original intention. And I think this chain reaction of violence would have been consistent with the theme of the movie. Yeah. And also the fact that the, the whole, you didn't catch it, uh, you're not as smart as I thought you were. Because that's, I mean, I know he's young, but like, my man's been catching everything. So why, yeah, why didn't you catch that, sir? Oh, but yeah, you're so rich, you don't know what a carpet was. <laughs> You know what? You don't know what occurred. <laughs> Speaking of being smart, I almost didn't. I almost this this joke at the and when he got caught, he's talking to uh, to the Riddler in Arkham. We were all thinking, "Holy shit!" Riddler knows that Batman is Bruce Wayne, and as soon as he walks in, he's like Bruce Wayne, and Batman's like, "Oh fuck!" And like they're recording it in Arkham. He's like, "Man, I'm I am fucked." Bruce and he was talking so much shit about Bruce. I love that scene. He was like, "Oh, your your parents were dead, but you're just surrounded by these millions looking down on us." In my orphanage, they were rats were eating our fingers. A kid died every year in the winter, but poor fucking Bruce Wayne. And I was like, "Wow, this is great stuff." And then he says, "Too bad we didn't catch him though." And I'm like, "Oh." <laughs> I just, that was that was a very Alanis Morissette moment because he was kind of insulting Batman's intelligence. I'm like, how could you not know who this man is? Right, you're yeah. They're both of them like ha, ha, ha. <laughs> nervous laughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too too bad, huh? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Maybe next time. Okay. Um. So. Going back to this um, killmongerification of our villains, my best friend suggested that this pattern isn't a lack of writing ability. It's just the point. Um, And we, the audience, lose twice. We lose a potential new kind of hero in the Riddler, but we also stay stagnant in this narrative that one man, one mayor, one person, a few people is what we need to fix things when that kind of revolution is ahistorical, especially for a place as corroded as Gotham City. And so... Yeah, I can't imagine that... I can't imagine that it would be better, um, right, like, after that. And I know, cinematographically, they were meaning to say that Batman is supposed to be a light in the dark. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got it. It's very, very pretty to watch. But I can't imagine that the people who were watching these things on the news and then found out that everything the Riddler did had a reason are not going to feel em- empowered and emboldened to do worse things or more extreme things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, you already know that they're probably going to really demonize them where they probably take like a more medial approach and just be like, you know, there are issues in our city, um, you know, and, and whatever they need to do, but they're probably going to take the extreme and be like, this is a psychotic, crazy person who... Blah, 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 blah. And then you're going to really deepen that hatred of that group of people who really feel unheard. That's why we should fund the police. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's transition on that note to the black mayor, Bella Riel. Um, she gave a nice speech at the end, but who is standing behind her? A number of law enforcement officers who were surely bought by Falcone, and now they're going to work for the Penguin. So to quote Joseph uh, Biden, nothing fundamentally changed for Gotham's corruption and criminal justice. And I, you know, I, I'm a broken record now, but after Obama's and your Roy Clyburn's, your Kamala's, this liberal cling to identity politics it, in these movies, they just mean less and less to me. Like just this past week, Kamala Harris, 
gave Biden a standing ovation after he said we should fund the police. Now, I don't know this mayor enough to trust her, and maybe that is why the Riller set his sights on her, even though I don't agree with that. Maybe the longer cut has a scene that could explain his logical leap to try to get her killed. I mean, and I'll give her and Matt Reeves a chance in the sequel, as you were talking about, because things are going to have to be addressed in the sequel. But as of right now, to me, she's merely just a prettier black face of a corrupt multi-billion dollar police force. Gordon, another black face, seemingly excused their fascism and corruption and Batman's fascism for years now. So I sent a riddle out about how this movie and the Ukraine-Russian war uh, relate. And, I saw that. and my biggest issue with this movie, we can get into it deeply now, is the hypocrisy of the use of violence that was never confronted. Jim Gordon is loosely a good cop. I say loose because he has no qualms about killing. He has killed some of the Penguin's men during the shootout, to which Batman didn't raise a fuss at all. Not to mention, he condones the police's violence as well as Batman's. In the middle of the movie, he even acts for a taste. <laughs> Batman commits multiple felonies every night, breaking and entering assault and battery, necessary force, probably attempted murder for the thug he beat up in that trailer. Imagine a very well-trained athletic man over six feet tall with heavy bulletproof armor punching you full force in the face while you're already on the ground. That man probably has a fractured skull and brain damage. He broke ribs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he broke his arm. I, you talk about stopping crime. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about how he went into a drug den, watched them sell drugs, and just watched them sell drugs? And then just vanished <laughs> when it was about yeah, him? And, when it was about him? And say nothing else. Just look here, saw money, saw drugs, saw a transaction, walked out. And Penguin was just so brave about it. He's not going to do anything. The disrespect. That was disrespectful. I mean, again. You dealing drugs in front of Batman. So is it, are they really afraid of him is the real question. And he's admitted he's had no effect. It's worse. They, they said it in the movie that it's gotten worse. Batman got shot outside of Penguin's drug house. He could have gotten the drop on him and the shooters, but no, he initiated a car chase with that engine rev that caused a lot of property damage. Who knows how many casualties just to flex with that yeah. car. I was literally thinking to myself the whole chase, like, how many people just died? For to catch someone that wasn't even the man you were looking for. And Gordon approved it. How efficient is this? They never return to how many people died in that scene. Will it be like BVS where they have to address it? I mean, I hope they do because Batman's choice here was horrible. And then during the fourth act, he blows all the stadium windows to distract the Riddler shooters. But how much of that fell on the people below? <laughs> Again, they don't go back to it. They just show the mayor just, you know, and the kid, everyone's fine. A lot of hand waving. Meanwhile, the Riddler killed some of the biggest criminal players in the city, started some lasting conversations, sparked protests, inspired actual organizing. He did all of this with a hammer, some duct tape, and some Hallmark cards. <laughs> Don't forget the rifle. The rifle? The sniper oh, rifle. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. But <laughs> That's that was, the most important part. Just but that was really like, that was the chariot at that point. Really. Yeah, man. So liking it to the Ukraine war here, bringing it back to what I was talking about, the U.S., the richest country and biggest military power on Earth, has been breaking international law, invading and bombing sovereign states, ignoring human rights since, let me check the time, uh, forever. Forever? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's one of the things that both Democrats and Republicans agree on. But all of a sudden, when Putin does it, it's pro-clutch in time. They even let their allies do it. All the posturing Biden's doing, cutting off Russian oil exports to the country, even though that's merely 3% of the U.S.'s intake, he's talking to other autocratic regimes for oil, most alarmingly the Saudis who are behind the greatest humanitarian crisis of our day in Yemen. Come on, man. Come on. Now, of course, I'm not, you know, condoning Putin and what he's done. It's not some like shallow whataboutism. Like I really want a immediate ceasefire and that the people of Ukraine can rebuild and live in peace. But what moral standing? It's hypocritical. Yeah. What yeah. moral standing does the U.S. have to condemn him? And what moral sinning does Gordon and Bruce Wayne have to judge the Riddler? Also, who says that Batman didn't kill anybody? Because man, some of them, look, some of them hits were deadly. Let's be honest here. Some of those hits with the 
with like you mentioned that one guy, that one thug in, in the in the in the subway station, multiple contusions to the head with no protective gear on, and Batman has an armored suit. If Mans is not dead, he ain't walking no time soon, or he might not wake up. So that was some severe head trauma. It wasn't one or two hits. It was like it was six, seven. He was really, and he wasn't holding back. Yeah. Remember, he punched uh, Gordon in the face. He said, you could have held back. He said, I did. For you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Man's got hands. It's done. and But it's cool because they, they play Nirvana afterwards, so it's, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Bruce Wayne is the richest human DC character with $80 billion. The Gotham City police budget also ranges in the billions if we're judging by the size of New York City. I was reading New York City police budget is greater than Ukraine's military budget. Their resources, the influence in the city are incalculable, and yet they commit violence and crime with impunity. And of course, as we talked about, through Bruce's own admission, they're not really having a deep impact on the people of Gotham. So it's quite peculiar that they judge and condescend to the poor characters of this film about how to exact their violence and vengeance. Um, Even though the Riddler proved why these people needed to go, he was slammed at the diner table, and Jordan called him a son of a bitch. And at Arkham, if memory serves me right, Batman called him pathetic and that he was going to rot alone. Like, really hurtful stuff, considering the Riddler did a better job than both of them. It's probably the insecurity speaking right there, you know, when people say hurtful things when they feel called out. One of the biggest (laughs) plot holes, speaking... Um, you know, Alfred is really smart. Okay. Always. He's really smart in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, enough to do ciphers and, like you said, help Bruce a lot. Uh, handle his financials. Handle the financials. I'm gonna repeat, handle the financials. And the whole, the whole starting point is the revitalization fund. That apparently mysteriously disappeared after his father died. Nobody! You telling me? Talk about it. Nobody! Nobody. (laughs) Another R&B reference, alright. I mean, he over here lecturing Bruce about getting into his family business. You in the family business and you ain't seen billions of dollars missing that's supposed to be going to the city. Right. You ain't keeping track of where the money's going? Right. I mean, Bruce has somewhat of an excuse. He was a kid. You running the estate, sir. And he's insane, too. So, Yeah, you're not a dummy. While we're on Alfred, I thought it was interesting that after he got blown up, he, he still had a, real, a very well, well-kept beard uh, on the hospital bed. <laughs> like he, there was no, no burn damage. I want to circle back to the vengeance part, though, because this part really pissed me off. And I wonder, you know, your thoughts on this, too. And that's what I was alluding to before about Batman's no-kill rule with Catwoman. Telling Selena not to kill the dirty cop who killed her friend, maybe. Telling her not to kill the man who killed and probably forced himself upon her mother, as well as try to kill her in the present day? Fuck you, bad man. Bruh, I was like, she could have claimed self-defense. You were talking about she know better, bro. He literally was about to kill her. And then yes. in the moment, this is how yes. I killed your mom. What? Bruh. If I were Selena... Right when Batman had his hand on hers trying to lower it, I would have relaxed and said, yeah, you're right, man. Yeah, bam! <laughs> I honestly thought that was what was going to happen, and I was a little bit disappointed that it didn't. I thought that's what was going to happen. And this is my problem. I was seeing YouTube videos and video essays and articles about how this was such a complete story for Batman, and I'm like, this is bullshit. At the end of the day, Batman and Gordon and the police force were allowed to commit violence or whatever, however they fucking wanted while they could deny the poor black woman hers, as well as Edward, the poor man. And Bruce Wayne's arc is that instead of beating people up and then leaving, he now helps the victim stand up. Or maybe he puts a hand on their shoulder. Like, that's what these three fucking hours brought us. And I thought, that is just horseshit. At the end of the day, he just learned, oh, maybe I should be kind to the people I save. Yeah, so, so my thing is, when you zoom out from this movie and see who produced it, Time Warner you also see that it also owns one of the biggest propaganda machines in the world, CNN. So this film was entertaining to me, but at the end of the day, and I again, broken record, these movies are, are going to always hit a ceiling. It's, it's, it's a billionaire white guy. What else do you want me to say? I mean, Selena said it so much of it. She said, whoever you are, you know. You sound rich. Right. Batman, 
they keep trying to make him this relatable character. And I think what we need to come to terms with is Batman is not a relatable character. He's just not. Just like Superman is not. And at least most people are honest with Superman. Most people will tell you Superman's not a relatable He's not supposed to be. Mm. But people will try to sell you that Batman is a relatable character all day and night. And it does not make sense. Why are you trying to sell this to the people? This man is white. He's male. He's got billions of dollars to do fancy gadgets and is above the law. That is not something the average person, let alone person of color, can deal with. That's not our lived experience at all, whatsoever. No! I mean, as a young man, you know, of course, you know, I wanted to, you know, have that peak performance like Batman. But now, like, you know, now that I've grown further left, it's like, yeah, I don't fucking care about this guy. Like, that's why I said when I, when the movie was over, I felt empty. That's probably why... Go ahead. If you compare two of the most loved comic book characters, we got Marvel and DC, you got Spider-Man on this side. Mm-hmm. Got Batman on this side. Mm-hmm. People love Spider-Man because he's smart, but he's poor for the most part, you know, until like other iterations. But like mm-hmm. he had to work his basically working man superhero mm-hmm. basically at this point. And you got Bruce Wayne, who people loved originally because he was what they wanted to be. Mm, exactly. But as we all grew up and realized how much of a scam capitalism is, we real, it kind of feels like, well, he's kind of the enemy. Thank you. And... They're trying to have this cake and eat it too, this double think using the Orwellian term. We must hold excitement to watch this costume man beat up people for my enjoyment, but at the same time, clamor for representation and real consequences for entitled rich white men. And even though the movie kind of did this hint and gave Selena and uh, Bella Real a couple lines, you know, you could do better and you grew up rich. Ultimately, even though they were shown in the film, they were repre- like they represented, uh, you know, for like black women. Ultimately, their desires have been s- suppressed. Still, it's still whatever Batman wants, he gets it. Whatever the police force wants, they get it. And so that left me hollow. We're in this uncanny valley of social commentary now, whether it be this movie or or Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Um, or Black Panther, and I think Black Panther to a lesser extent because that was very fa- fantastical with, with the with the abilities and whatnot. But with Captain America, and I think with this movie, I think this movie is, is the worst offender at this point. You said that they killmongered the Riddler, and I gotta say that yeah, but at least it like at least from the get go, and at least what Marvel's handling of Killmonger, it at this point is kind of understandable. Like mm. man's just wants you know. It starts from good intentions, but he's had good intentions for years, and he's a bit twisted, mm. right? Killmonger made more sense than the Riddler. Absolutely. Killmonger, like, Killmonger's ending made more, like, the, the how we got there kind of made sense towards the end. We got PT, you got a, a freaking war, like, aficionado with PTSD. I don't know if he's a veteran, because I don't think he's retired. I think he's still active military. He was traumatized as a child. Yeah, traumatized as a child, traumatized as an adult, PTSD, all this stuff, it, it it messes with you. Absolutely. And then he's been trying to, he's been seeing all these problems in his community. As black people, we understand, like, how much of a cycle it can feel to, like, try to fight against the violence in your own community mm-hmm. while trying to fight against the violence that attacks your community on the daily. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that, again, everything... I could understand. I literally understood. I even understood how he got to the point where he started to feel a little bit paranoid. You know, moms and them, they're not just going to let me leave. I might as well take everybody. Like, I, that's not a hard jump for me. It went a little far, but it's not a hard leap for me to make. Like, okay, how this is how he got here. Sure. With the Riddler, we went from in corruption to kill the whole city. What? Fuck everybody. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was whack. And he only wanted to save Batman, which, by the way... Riddler, if you're so smart, how did you not realize this man was rich? You've been watching him this long. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> Don't you think? Here's some cool things I want to talk about. At least one the thing. The bat suit? <laughs> we went there. I like when they were in the police station and they were like, we got you on assaulting a cop. And he goes, you got me on assault in three. I was like, talk that shit, <laughs> Batman. <laughs> some weird stuff. Why did Bruce need to have his shirt off? Uh, during the spray can scene where he was drawing the, the connections to all the things. Because you know they had to throw it in there. The fan service he for the must, ladies. You know Robert Pattinson had to beef up for the, the role, so they had to show But he wasn't work. really that big. Like, I didn't really get a sense of how big he was, for well, real. Well, Robert Pattinson is a small yeah. person. I mean, he's tall. So I mean, he he's, actually... 
He's six foot. I mean, no, he's, like he's he's, he's small, like body wise. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, skinny. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's very skinny. Um, I he beefed up a lot. Believe it or not, I know you're probably like, uh, no, he beefed up a lot for that role. I could tell, but I'm a woman who is not not straight. Not wait, what? Anywho, I like men too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see. Something I caught, I liked that at the very beginning of the movie, Riddler is staring at the mayor and with his family. And it's almost like he's staring at something that he never had out of you know jealousy, I assume. And then once he kills the mayor, it's Batman now who's staring at the child for a long time, putting himself into his shoes about something that was taken away from him as well. So I saw a lot of this same side of the coin stuff. They're, they're both journaling because, you know, they're, they're trying to keep, keep, keep their thoughts together. Um, their violence, their desire for something that they lost or never had. Um, I thought, I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, I think it's cool that he doesn't have a bat cave or he does, but it's like under Wayne tower. So he's, so he can actually be in the city faster because, you know, think about the old films where the signal goes off and it takes him forever to get back into the city <laughs> on a practical level. I thought that was really cool. Okay. Again, reiterating the fact that the villains don't realize this man is rich because like, seriously, like how I, like I, on some logical level, I'd just be like, how, but the fact, okay. But they, they mentioned in the movie that he's supposed to be kind of broke by the way. And I thought that was the biggest piece of bullshit I've ever heard. Who was broke? I'm sorry. Bruce Wayne, they are supposed to be growing broke because he's not been taking care of the finance. Again, oh, yeah. Alfred is supposed to be taking care of financials and stuff, and he's like, you need to take care of this because you know, if you don't like, you know, who's funding Batman? You know, you need Bruce Wayne to fund Batman. Blah 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 blah. Give him that whole lecture. And he's supposed to be going broke. I'm like, where? Not my dad, Alfred. <laughs> Speaking of uh, of comedy, the commissioner and the chief, they had these high voices like they were Muppets. <laughs> Do you know if you remember? <laughs> <laughs> I want him out of here. <laughs> um, I think my last kind of nitpick too is that Batman never really took damage. So it started from him taking the bomb in the church. He covered his face, but that shock, it knocked him out. And again, like no one took his mask off from there to the station. That was silly. And then he gets he's, he gets up fine. And then he takes that winged bat suit and flies at high speed and just crashes hard and then he gets up like oh this hurts anyway and then he just goes on about his day or a couple of times both of those were kind of fake outs you remember in spider-man where Tobey Maguire gets stabbed in the back and you're like oh no toby and he's like uh i'm fine um <laughs> and then with this one it's like he there was no reason why he had to like have that wingsuit a- accident it would have been cooler to have a triumphant you know i pulled this off moment and just kept going but they for some reason just made him hurt it was silly and then when he he cut the also he was scared of heights oh so to have him like you know oh yeah that's right so so to have him kind of conquer that fear and just be batman and do a cool moment would have been great i think i would have been fine um when he cut the electrical wire and then it showed him slow motion like fall down and you're like he's fine and then he got up yeah i'm fine and it's like why would you make this so dramatic looking if you know he's gonna be fine I thought those were just weird. Fake I, I think out he wasn't. He wasn't fine though. He was running on adrenaline. He shot himself in the leg with adrenaline. So by that point, folks were thinking <laughs> he was about to die. Folks were thinking that 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 could be Venom and that could be setting up Bane in the future uh, movies. Uh, but I felt like him just pulling that out was so weird, and he was so just. It it fell out of place to me. Like me and my watching partners, like I watched it twice actually. We both giggled at that point. We giggled when he did that. And we giggled at Catwoman's nails on dude's face. And then I giggled when he beat up the guy. And he was like, who are you? I'm vengeance. It's like, in the comic book, it could work. But I feel like in real life, that was a bit goofy to me. And then they kept saying, come on, Mr. Vengeance. Mr. Vengeance. Yeah, they, I don't think anyone ever vengeance. called him actually Batman. They just called him Mr. Vengeance. A penguin's like, I'm sorry, Mr. Vengeance. I mean, he even called him Sweetheart. <laughs> they know yeah, and Riddler, Riddler was like, I'm Vengeance. And Batman's like, I'm like, oh my God, this is, let, let, let's let this go. Oh, let's this is die. so whack. Everyone's taking my shit. Uh... Uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> speaking of not taking damage, Batman made Penguin's car tumble a lot on that highway how is he not at all damaged 
at all. Like there was he was That even, would have been a good reason for him to walk the way, like give him the penguin walk because he like displaced his hips or something. Yo, that's so smart. That's so that's I didn't even think about that. That's brilliant. That would have been a reason why why penguin walks like that. That's yeah. so smart. But yeah, he just got up. I mean Batman just goes up like and here's this big theme. Dun 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 and this, uh, this movie was kind of a mess, man. It started out so cool. And then it just unraveled into a mess. It's like the inverse of Spider-Man to me, where Spider-Man started off a little shaky to me, but they brought it back to just having really fun like comic book stuff. Whereas this was started off good, and it kind of just got worse for me. Some good things were like, I again, cinematography. You said there wasn't a fight scene you would look up again. There was one fight scene that I kind of enjoyed, okay. and that was the fight scene where they were under rafters and it was like Batman versus the shooters and mm-hmm. then he like throws down a smoke bomb and there's like the really cool like silhouette of him like Coming just beating out of ass. Smoke. Yeah. I mean, you saw the silhouette of him beating ass without, you know, having to see him beating ass and I was just like, that's that's cool. I, I, I like the way it was shot so I sure. would definitely watch it again. I think they were all shot well. Even the one in, in the club. Like, I thought that was fine. That was very, that was, to me, very Archimede. I, th- I think the stadium scene was very Archimede, too. I liked, again, I liked the the Falcone assault when the cops, like, it was pitch black, but the only light was from the guns. It all looked good. But, you know, when I think of, like, Bucky against Cap, and he's, like, dropping the knife and switching it up, like, that's stuff I can really be like, I can really see yeah, that choreography, yeah. those hits. It looked nice, but the actual choreography of what was happening to me was like, eh. It's all, it's all right. Yeah. It's all right. And one other kind of interesting thing, um, not a good or a bad thing, is I did. I liked how they didn't confirm his parents' killer. Because that's like... That's the point. It's Joe, it's, it's Joe Chill, like a random dude. I agree. It's just, yeah, it's some dude. Because first they said... Because first Falcone was like, yeah, you know, somebody was mad that I, you know, had your father in my pocket, so they got him killed. And then Afra's like, well, Falcone got mad because your father was mad, so he got him killed. But we don't really know what the true story is. I mean, I guess if you want to assume, you could, but that's... I don't... You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just like... No, that's totally wild. Agree. Also, I didn't know that Batman's mother had psychiatric problems. I'm not sure if that's in the comic book, but, I mean, it's a new thing for the movie, at the ver- I mean, at the very least, but um, I thought that was fine. I mean, but maybe it's, like, setting up for, like, Batman's own psychiatric issues. Is this a mental health thing? Maybe. They've really been going with that mental health. Uh, they've really been pushing the mental health aspect with these last few, like, DC movies, but in a kind of a weird way where it's mm-hmm. just, like, Mental health does not excuse violence. Come on, like don't stop. Oh, we're making talking about the Joker clean. and stuff, right? I yeah. I mean Batman too, because they're like trauma, blah 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 blah. Like, oh, your mom was, um, your mom had psychiatric problems. Oh, you and, know, and so your she, dad was defending that's why she your killed mom. Her dad, and then yeah. That's, yeah, like, or that's why your dad killed that one. Yeah, like, no, 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 no. Stop, 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 stop. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, is there anything like seriously you want to go over? I think I'm personally out of notes here. So if you have anything else, I mean, I'll be happy to talk to you about it. But I'm just uh... no. I think those were all my notes and nitpicks. Just some um, funny things. As far as go ahead. some funny things. Yeah, I remember the scene where Batman's looking at Catwoman with the contacts, and she's like, "You don't even care about me." He's like, "Hey, look at me." Okay, we're good. Peace. That's just like I thought that was funny. <laughs> like this wasn't a funny movie, but like there were like little parts in there that were like that was all right. That was probably my favorite funny moment. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, I know they're probably going to be bringing out the more... He's going to be working on his Bruce Wayne persona probably in the next movie. So it'll be interesting to see Pattinson as an actor, like, not completely change this Batman we saw as he, like, develops. Like, how he chooses the acting style and going forward. Because we know we're going to get another Batman movie. But DC, if you're listening to this, we would love a cyborg movie. You know, that would be actually great. You know, I'm just putting that out there if you want to make a cheeto movie i mean cheetos no i'm joking Um, (laughs) (laughs) anyway um honestly i wonder if i'm getting burnt out on these they have so many grounded characters though like like again i would love a cyborg movie because cyborg is like all-star well depending on which story you want to take but like let's go with all-star athlete black kid gets into a horrible accident that makes the decision to make him a cyborg that's got the potential that's got so much potential right there yeah. for tear jerking, emotions, triumph, you know? It's so fantastical that you don't have to, like, try to weave in some bullshit that 
this corporation is not going to let you go all the way on. You know, you can go all the way mm-hmm. on Thanos. It's fine. Because Thanos is an unimaginable threat that just has no grounding in reality. So we can go full tilt on that. So I, I kind of want to go back to that at some point without like all this grounding because every time I'm watching it, I, I'm tired of having to try to hold these 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 two thoughts that are contradictory. Like I said, it's this double think now and I'm just, I'm tired of it. Mm. Either mm. do it or don't do it. You know what I mean? We got so many, I'm telling, I am forever so upset that DC has so such interesting characters that we never get to see. <laughs> I agree. Or, or like on the big screen. I agree. Okay, guys, I'm going to call it here. I apologize for being so late on this, but I hope that we can do this again sometime. We'll try to set up the um, some live stuff in the future. You all can chime in and ask some questions to us while we're, we're doing it live. Join her Discord server. It's on her link tree on her Instagram. What's your Instagram one more time? Ali Soko. A-L-Y-S-O-K-O. Absolutely. Of course, we are on Instagram at B-L-E-R-D-P-R-U-P. And we're on Twitter at B-L-E-R-D-U. And please search out our Discord, Blurred Up podcast. Very easy to find. And uh, yeah, have a lovely uh, day, evening, wherever, whenever time you're listening. And peace.